Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Isn't God good? Even in the middle of a pandemic, God is good, isn't he? God is good. He loves us. He's with us. And he's going to see us through, isn't he? I thank the Lord for that. If you would turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 25, we're going to continue our road trip today, our road trip with Jesus. And we have one more stop next week. And next week, we're going to park our cars and not move our cars anymore. We're going to park our cars at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, that's exciting, isn't it? He's coming again. We preached about the rapture the last couple of weeks. We'll allude to the rapture again this morning in this sermon. Uh, But the rapture and the second coming are two different things. The rapture is calling us out, the church out. And then we'll go rejoice with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And some wonderful things during that time. On this earth, the wrath of God will be poured out. And the great tribulation, seven years of tribulation. But my Bible tells me that we're coming back with Christ at the end of the tribulation and he will set up his kingdom. He is the coming king and of his kingdom, there shall be no ending. So next week we'll preach about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm excited about the sermon, but I'm more excited about he's coming. That's our hope. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're holding on to. So hold on, child of God. Hold on. Matthew chapter 25. Verses 1 through 11. But before we get to that sermon, we need to navigate a potential traffic jam this morning. Ever been stuck in traffic? Perhaps there was an accident that occurred uh, ahead of time and traffic is backed up. Maybe it was a a storm that produced a downed tree or some kind of road work is happening. If you ever drive on Interstate 81, heaven knows you will experience a traffic jam or a backup. I don't know about the other interstates, but I-81 is notorious for it. You know, I reminded us, just a practical reminder, this doesn't cost you anything extra. Don't ever waste a good traffic jam. If you can get off the road and find you a good buffet restaurant somewhere, do that. And let the traffic jam clear up and then get back on the road. Amen. Just a, just a good, you, that didn't cost you anything extra this morning. But when we're in a traffic jam, we lose momentum. We lose time. We get delayed. We're unable to get to where we are headed. But worse than being stuck in regular traffic is being stuck or delayed in our relationship with God. Can I get an amen this morning? And I want to start just by asking us a few questions as we look at Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And we look at this parable that Jesus gave us. I want to ask us these questions. Do I have momentum In my relationship with God. Let me say it this way. Am I moving forward in my Christian walk? Now those are two fair, very fair questions for us to ask each other this morning. For us to ask ourselves this morning. Am I moving forward in my walk with God? Or am I stuck in some barriers? Am I stuck in some spiritual traffic, so to speak? That traffic could be a generational hangup that I'm stuck in, or maybe I'm stuck in traditions. Can I just preach right there for just a moment that every tradition that we have known is not necessarily biblical. Traditions are just that. They're traditions. They're, they're things that we have done for years and years. Sometimes we've done them so long we forget why we do them. 
But a tradition is not going to save us. Biblical standards are going to save us. Am I stuck in a religious form or fashion? That's a hard one in this day and time that we live because I'm afraid that there's a lot of religion in our world. There's a lot of doing good in our world, but Christ is not in it. There's a lot of form and fashion in our world, but not necessarily a moving of the Holy Spirit in it. We can be stuck in religion, but it's not what religion is not what we need. Relationship with God through Christ is what we need. Maybe we're stuck in rebellion. Maybe we're stuck in denial. Maybe we're just saying, I know what's right, but I'm just choosing not to do it. I know what's right, and I'm just going to rebel against it, whether that be passively or whether that be just kind of subconsciously, and we're stuck in traffic. I want us to read a parable this morning. Look with me at verse 1. Ten virgins, ten ladies, ten unmarried ladies, five of them were stuck. Five of them were moving along like they ought to be. Look at, look at verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Let me just stop right there for just a moment. What was happening here was a Jewish, in the parable, was a Jewish wedding. And the Jewish weddings of that time were arranged. The fathers would get together and make an uh, agreement. Now, all of our young people went downstairs, but if they're watching me on the television, I'll ask them, how would you like it if old dad picked your spouse? I don't think they would like that too much. How would you have liked that if mom or dad had, had picked your spouse? Well, that's how that was what was happening. And here in this parable... The bridegroom would go to the bride's house for the ceremony. And, and that would, they would take care of getting married. And then the rest of the wedding party and the rest of the people who wanted to go to the celebration, would, they would come by. The bridegroom would come by, kind of pick them up, and they would all go to rejoice and celebrate. So here we have 10 virgins, 10 unmarried women who are waiting for the ceremony to happen, waiting for the bridegroom to come by and pick them up and take them into this great celebration. Now, we know that Jesus is not telling this story to just talk about a Jewish wedding. He's telling this as a parable to give us bigger points. He's telling this as a, as a parable to teach us something. And let me, let me just stop here. And, and when we're looking at Jesus' parables, we have to be very prayerful, very discerning. And we have to take them in the context of what we know to be true in Scripture. And we have to understand that every parable he is giving us has a broader point, a main point, a meaning to it. We can't necessarily go into every single part of a parable and say, well, this means that, this means that, this means that. We have to be discerning enough to realize there are big points that Jesus is making throughout a parable. And so as we read this, every single thing is not necessarily symbolic. Some of it is just helping to tell the story. But it's being discerning enough to know what Jesus is using in each part of the story to show us a big point. So we see that there's a bridegroom who's representing who? Christ. The bridegroom represents Christ. 
we have people who are waiting for Christ to come. And that could represent you and I. And then within those 10 people who are waiting, we're going to find as we read this parable, five of them are ready and five are not ready. Now, as I preach to us this morning, and I look around this big room and I see all these wonderful faces. I hope and pray this morning that all of us are ready. Amen. I hope and pray that if the bridegroom would come right now, if Jesus would come right now through the rapture, we would be ready for his return. And I urge you this morning, if you're not ready or if you're uncertain about your readiness today, make that call today and be ready. Don't delay. So, so there were five that were wise and there were five that were foolish. When I look at the five foolish, it implies to me that they knew better. And you know what? All of us in this room, we know better. If, if Christ comes and we're not ready, we will have no excuse. Can I say that in love to all of us this morning? If Christ comes and he finds us not ready, none of us in this room will have an excuse to not be ready, to not have oil in our lamps. You see, the five who were foolish were going through the motions. They were with the right people. They were at the right spot. And looking at them on the outside, one would have thought they have it all together. They're at the right place. They're with the right people. And they're waiting for the right person. And I think that preaches such volumes to us as the church. And it says, God, help us. We cannot just go through the motions of coming to church. We can't just go through the motions of doing right things. Are we right on the inside? Is there oil in our vessel this morning? What does that oil represent, pastor? The oil represents the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you this morning, do you have the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you? If we are allowing him to work in our lives daily, if we are allowing him to lead our lives daily, we will not come up short when Christ comes. Is there oil in my vessel? Is there oil in your vessel? Was there a time in our lives where we were diligent in our walk with God? A time in our lives when we were diligent about following the leading of the Holy Spirit and living according to the Bible. But have we let our oil leak out? Have we let things become slack in our lives? I don't want to be like the foolish virgins. How about you? The foolish virgins, it applies to me or it implies to me. They knew better. They knew better. They should have been ready, but they weren't ready. The oil was not in their vessel. So look at verse five. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they all slept. The bridegroom did not come when they expected him to come. The early church, as we preached last Sunday morning, the early church expected Christ to come any moment. So much so, you remember that when when their loved ones were passing away and dying, they started to get nervous and and say, what is going to happen to them? And, And Paul wrote the letter to them, remember? And he said, hey, don't worry about those who have fallen asleep. God's going to raise them up in the rapture. The dead in Christ shall rise first. But he tarried. 
And some of us would look at each other in this room and we would say, here we are in 2020. Here we are living in this world that has, is just quite bizarre, really. And we would look at each other and we would say, I would have thought that Christ would have come already. Anybody in the house feel that way? Really, you step back and you say, I would have thought that Christ would have come already. But we cannot confuse his delay as a detour. He is still coming. Jesus is still coming. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Jesus Christ is still coming. Even though he has delayed his coming, he is still coming. You ask me, pastor, why has he delayed his coming? Would you look with me at 2 Peter chapter 3? They'll put it up on the screen for us. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 3. Here's one reason, one explanation of, of the last days and why Christ has delayed his coming. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying this, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things just continue on as they were from the beginning of creation. Now watch this. For this they willingly forget. And they forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. What's he talking about there? He's talking about Noah. Many times the last days are compared to Noah, aren't they? And they say, hey, we forget that Noah preached for many, many years, decades even. And they scoffed him. They said, no, it's never rained and it's not going to rain. But one day that first drop of rain fell, didn't it? And one day that water started rising up, didn't it? And one day that ark started floating up, didn't it? And one day Noah and his family went inside the ark, didn't they? And one day the animals by the spirit of God were drawn into the ark. And what did the Bible say? God then what? He shut the door. And one day it was too late. And one day there were people who were swimming, no doubt, beating on the side of the ark, wanting to get inside of the ark, but it was too late. The judgment of God had come. And if we miss the rapture, we miss the rapture. That's an appointment that we can't go back and catch up. If the trumpet sounds that we preached about last week, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the, and the shout, when all that happens, if we are not ready to meet the Lord in the air, then we have missed it. And the same is applicable to our loved ones. And that, that should speak to an urgency of the hour. We must get the gospel message out. We need to pray for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We need to, to ensure, are we ready? Is our household ready? Are those who belong to us ready? Are those who we know ready? Because Jesus is coming just as sure as Noah's ark began to float upon the waters. Jesus Christ is coming. Look at verse seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire. What is he saying here? It's not gonna rain like that again, but he will destroy this world again with fire. The judgment of God is coming. Fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse eight shows us God's timing is different than ours. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. 
But I want to answer the question that I just asked before we went to this passage, and it's in verse 9. Why has Christ's coming been delayed? Why is God, I should say it this way, why is God delaying the return of Christ? Because Christ does not know the hour or the day. He's waiting for the Father to tell him when to come. Why is God delaying? It's this, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's coming. As some count slackness. But here's why he's delaying. Because he's long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why is he delaying his coming? Because he wants more people to come to know Christ as their personal Savior. He is delaying the coming because he wants more people to hear the gospel and to be ready and to come and be part of the kingdom of God. It is because of his long suffering that he is delaying his coming. It is his long suffering that is delaying his rapturing of the church and then the pouring out of judgment upon this world. What does that tell you and I? It tells us this. One, as individuals, we need to live as alert people. Somebody say that word, alert. We need to live as alert people knowing that he's coming. And we need to live as urgent people knowing that he's delaying his coming so that maybe, just maybe, we could help one more person be ready for his coming. Is there anybody in your life? Can I just be personal this morning? Is there anybody in your life That you would say, Pastor, I wished they were ready for the coming of the Lord. I think we all, I see a lot of heads going up and down. I think we all would say, yes, there are people we know, there are people in our lives, maybe even very dear loved ones, that would say, I want them to be ready for the Lord's coming. You see, we need to be alerted. and We need to sound the alert. What is an alert? It's a sound that comes out that warns us of danger. We've had some pretty bad storms come through lately, haven't we? You look down at Broadus Wood and down through there and you see a lot of damage, a lot of storms. And, and before a storm comes, uh, most of the time, the National Weather Service will issue an alert, a warning. God has issued an alert to every one of us through and by his word. And again, I'm looking around at a room of mature Christian believers this morning. And I I would say to all of us, I would say, how many times really have we heard the sounding of the alert that Jesus is coming? Think about that. How many times in our lifetime have we heard a message like this one this morning? Have we heard someone preach to us or even plead with us to be ready to know that he's coming We hear it over and over again. Jesus is coming. We hear these scriptures like we're preaching and teaching from this morning. But God, help us to never become immune to that alert. If I were to hear an alert that says a tornado is coming towards my house and it will arrive in 10 minutes, what am I going to do? I'm going to get my family and we're going to try to barricade ourselves somewhere in safety. Amen. How much more so knowing that there is an alert sounding. Jesus is coming. Be ready. Have oil in our vessel. Look at verse 6. It begins to talk about this coming of the bridegroom. This coming of the Lord. And at midnight, 
a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. That's probably one of the saddest scriptures in scripture. They all got up. They had all been waiting. They had all been seemingly doing the right things and living the right way and waiting for the right person. But the foolish ones had to look at the wise and say, would you give us some of your oil? Because our lamps are going out. You see, the wise had oil in their lamp. The wise were able to pull up the, the, the wick part of the lamp, light it. Oil was there and they had light. But the foolish had no oil. They tried to light their own fire, but they had no oil. And all they ended up with was a bunch of smoke. And I worry today and I wonder today as we look around the church world, how many people or even how many churches today have a lot of smoke, but there's no fire. Have a lot of flashiness, but there's no fire. Have a, as the scriptures talk about a form and a fashion, but there is no real moving of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, as one scripture says, they're denying the power thereof. Paul went on to say of such turn away. But I want to preach to us this morning as individuals. I want to preach to us as a church. We cannot afford in this last days to just be filled with smoke. We need to be filled with the trueness, the genuineness of the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our churches. That's what's going to save us. That's what's going to save our children. That's what's going to save this community around us. A moving of the genuineness of the power of the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lamps. Let's not be foolish, but let us be wise. Look on with me at verse 9. But the wise answered saying, no, at least there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell Buy for yourselves. Buy for yourselves. Can I tell you this morning, we have to have a conversion experience with God for ourselves. As much as I would like to make my conversion be for myself and for my whole family and for you and for everybody else, it's an individual thing, isn't it? We have to have an individual relationship with God. They looked at the wise and they said, please give us some of your oil. But the wise could not do it. They said, you have to do it yourself. They said, go and buy it for yourself. But unfortunately, it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. Look at verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Boy, that's a sad phrase. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. First, they were not alert. First, they were not ready. But then there came a time that they realized they weren't ready, but they realized it too late. I was thinking about this the other day, and it's not a pleasant thought. I wonder how many people will come to this church house 
the day after the rapture of the church. I wonder how many people will come into these doors the Sunday morning after the rapture of the church. And maybe they'll come hoping that they'll see one of us. Maybe they'll come hoping that those sweet greeters that we have out front will be standing there smiling and greeting them. Maybe they'll come hoping, oh God, please, please let this just have been a bad dream. Oh God, please, please let this not be real. Oh God, let it please just be a mistake. If I go to Nortonsville and I go to that church, surely the church is not gone. They'll be there and everything will be all right. But I wonder how many will walk into this building and there will be no greeters there. There will be no ushers there. There will be no music playing. There will be no teaching. There will be no praying. There will be no preaching. Because it'll be too late. The church will have been raptured out of here. The sobering thought, isn't it? I don't want to be here. I don't want you to be here. I don't want any of your loved ones to be here. And if I had a worst enemy, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to be left behind. But we have to buy for ourselves. We have to get the oil for ourselves as the wise told the foolish. Look at verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. and Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. I've already preached about Noah and the ark and how God shut that door. But this same door was shut. When God shuts the door, the door is shut. But right now we live under grace. Right now we live under mercy. Right now we live under a time where he says, come and drink of the waters of life freely. And now we live in the church age. Now we live in times of salvation. And as the scripture said, today is the day of salvation. What do we need to do then? We need to get moving. We need to get moving in the right Direction. Those who are lost need to move to Christ. Those of us who are saved need to move closer to Christ. Look at verse 11. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Can you imagine? This was the bridegroom in the parable saying it to the unwise virgins, I don't know you. What's that representing? It's representing Christ looking at unbelievers and saying, depart from me, worker of iniquity, I never knew you. We've had some harsh words, no doubt. In any of our lives, we've had harsh words spoken to us. We've had disappointing news spoken to us. But these are some words that we would never, ever want to hear when he says, I do not know you. But we can avoid that. Jesus Christ has paid the price and made the way for us to be saved. We don't have to hear those awful words. Look at verse 13, the final verse. Watch therefore. Everybody say watch. Watch therefore. For you know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming. The door was shut. They heard the words, I do not know you. They weren't watching. 
And I encourage us this morning to watch. Can I be very personal, very careful, and very delicate? And can I say that just because maybe I was ready 30 years ago, 50 years ago, two years ago, oh, that's great and wonderful, but am I ready today? Is that all right this morning? Is it all right for me to preach that way today? Can I just stir around our roots this morning? Can I just ask us, are we ready today? Are our sins under the blood today? Have we kept our relationship current with God today? What am I trying to say? It's one word, watch. Watch. Let me close again with 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9. In closing today, we're going to search our hearts. 2 Peter 3.9 said this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is kind of a sad parable, but it ends with a great promise when we look at this scripture. Every one of us in this room, we can be ready. Every one of us in this room can be ready. And every one of us can grab this scripture and begin to claim it and pray it over our children and grandchildren and family members and and people we know who need to be saved and say, Lord, I know you're long-suffering. I know you're delaying your coming because you want them to be ready to meet you. And Lord, we pray for them that you would draw them and that they would be ready. Would you stand with me this morning? You see, a few takeaways before we pray. We can't just have a form and a fashion. We need the fuel of the Holy Spirit. We can't just try to do things in our own efforts. We must submit to to God and have a conversion experience. We can't just be around the right people and think that we're right. Just because I am in a garage doesn't mean I'm a car, does it? Another takeaway was when the door is shut, it's too late. And finally, don't just be in the church, be in Christ. And say that again, don't just be in the church. We, we want you to be in the church, amen. Church is wonderful, but don't just be in the church. Be in Christ. So I want us to pray twofold this morning. I know it's a sobering message. I hope it stirs my heart and I hope it stirs yours. I want us to pray twofold. I want us to bow our heads and I want us to search our hearts and make sure that there's oil in our vessels and that we're ready and that we're watching and that we're diligent. And then after we've done that, I want us to pray for the loss that we know in our lives. And I want us to commit ourselves to to be more concerned about their souls and to be more concerned that they be ready and to do our part to pray them in and to, to talk to them and to do our part to bring them to the kingdom before it's too late to watch and pray as Jesus said. Let's bow our heads. Lord, first we just search our hearts this morning. Lord, as individuals today, Lord, you know our hearts, you know our ways, you know our faults, failures, and sins. But we're asking you to forgive us afresh and anew. We're asking you to cleanse us by your blood. 
Lord, we're asking you to to put into us a determination to, to watch and pray, to serve you diligently, serve you faithfully, Lord. And Lord, don't let any one of us be lost. Lord, this precious group of people this morning who have come together. Oh, God, what a beautiful group of people today that are assembled here this morning. Lord, I pray that not one of us would be lost. I pray that not one of us would be found lacking. I pray, God, that when the trumpet sounds, that each one of us would be ready to go out and meet the bridegroom, to be caught up in the air, to be with him and to ever be with the Lord. Prepare our hearts for your coming, Lord. Prepare our hearts for your coming. Renew our minds with a vigilance, a diligence towards your coming, Lord. And now, Lord, we pray for those around us. We pray for family members, for aunts and uncles who are lost, cousins who are lost, brothers and sisters who are lost, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren who are lost, friends and co-workers and neighbors and community members who are lost. God, we pray for them this morning and we ask that you would use us as individuals, use us collectively as the Nortonsville Church of God to spread the gospel to them, that we would see souls saved, that we would see families become ready for the coming of Christ. Stir us, oh God, and use us and put a special anointing upon us, Lord, that others may know you, that we can lead others to Christ. We can help others be ready. Help us, Lord, to sound the alarm. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And Lord, let us all be ready for your coming. Knowing that your coming is soon. Your coming is imminent. Let us be found overshadowed by the blood. Let us be found ready with oil in our vessels for your coming. In Jesus' name, amen.